Hi, everybody. It's uh, Attorney Ryan McKean. I'm here with Attorney Matt Egan. And today we're here to talk about a really big case in Connecticut appellate law concerning dog bites. The case is Send versus Songus. And we have Attorney Matt Egan on with us who won the case before the appellate court. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing well, Matt. Matt, can you explain to us dog bite law in Connecticut in general? So in general, um, the you know general statute 22357 imposes strict liability on the owner or keeper of a dog for uh you know uh for, for a dog bite um this case was a little bit different because uh it involved not the owner and the keeper of the dog but the landlord of uh you know of the apartment building where the uh the dog lived so when you mean strict liability, so it doesn't matter if the owner did anything wrong when the dog bit, it just matters that uh, the, that they own the dog or they were in control of the dog and the dog bit somebody, correct? That's correct. With certain exceptions, such as uh, one of them is, is uh, taunting or, you know, taunting the dog. If, if somebody's taunting the dog or if somebody has, has sort of broken in, you know, obviously uh, there are certain exceptions to that. But in general... Yes, the owner of a dog is liable whether they are at fault, whether they had notice of, of the fact that the dog might bite somebody, they're, they're liable. And can you tell us about what happened uh, to Isha Sen or what, what, is alleged, or what, is, what is alleged to have happened uh, with, with, Alicia, with Isha Sen in this case? Sure. So she lived on the second floor of uh, a two, in two family house, basically. Uh, and in order to access her apartment, she had to go up a, a set of back stairs. Uh, the owner of the dog lived on the, uh, on the first floor. And so each day she would have to go buy this dog. And, um, you know, she states that the, the dog was, you know, growling, barking, you know, uh, uh, exhibiting sort of vicious demeanor whenever she walked up those stairs. And one day it burst through the, uh, through the door to the, to the back porch and it bit her. It bit her on her hand. She had, uh, had to go to the hospital and, uh, you know, could, sustained quite a bit of damage to her hand. <clears throat> and um, was there um, any, now, now, there are a lot of tenants in Connecticut and a lot of dogs and a lot of landlords and Connecticut's housing supply has a lot of, you know, two and three family uh, houses, not dissimilar to uh, where uh, Miss Sen was living at the time she was, uh, she was bit. Um, and can you tell us um, anything about the lease uh, that, that Miss Sen had with her landlord and the lease that the dog owner um, had with the same landlord? Right. So, uh, so her lease, the, the lease to both apartments in this particular building called for no pets. Um, you know, so, and one of the things that was, I think, important was that when, uh, when Isha Sen discovered that there was going to be, uh, that the landlord was going to make an exception for the, for the tenant on the first floor and allow that tenant to have a dog, um, you know, she she says that she asked to move uh, uh, to move out to to um, you know to have uh, to out of her lease, and uh, and was told no. Um, but she and she also says that you know one of the 
one of the attractive things about that particular apartment to her was the fact that it was going to be uh, a pet-free uh, pet free zone, a, a dog-free zone. Um, you know, but in this case, the landlord decided to uh, make an exception to his own lease, to the, to the lease that he had provided uh, to both tenants. And can you, um, can you tell us a, a little bit about uh, this dog and how it came to be on the property? Right. So this dog was, uh, it, it was a, a, a pit bull or a pit bull mix um, that was adopted from one of the local humane societies, but had previously been used as, uh, as a bait pit bull in, in dog fighting. And I'm, I'm not sure uh, that everybody knows what a bait pit bull is, but that is essentially a dog that is, uh, is, is sort of tied up and prevented from defending itself and is used to train other dogs to attack um, sort of without, without mercy. Um, you know, and so it's a, it's a highly traumatic and a highly, um, you know, it's just an awful situation for that dog. Uh, um, you know, there's not, so that, that was the history of that, that particular dog. And how, um, I mean, how, how did the, um, how did the, did, was the landlord aware that the dog was there? And, and, and does that, does that matter? Um, can you explain a little bit more? I know you touched on it a little bit before, but can you explain just a little bit more about how, how this dog sort of really comes to, comes to be here? Right. Well, so the, so the landlord, uh, you know, was aware that the dog was on the premises. The, the, uh, first floor tenant told the landlord that he he was going to adopt the dog. Uh, the landlord made the exception to the lease to allow this. Um, you know, and and so one of the things that a landlord has a duty to do is, um, and this is this goes back to common law. This is not a statutory uh, law. So this has been the law, you know, uh, going back hundreds of years. Um, is that it's uh, liable for, um, well, it has a, the landlord has a common law duty to protect uh, tenants from any sort of known hazard on the property. And fairly recently, what uh, courts have held in Connecticut is that a dog known to the landlord can be such a hazard on the common areas of the property. Uh, if the dog is known to have uh, some kind of, is either known to have or or uh, a landlord should have known that dog has some kind of vicious uh, propensity. And so Miss um, Sen brings her case to uh, New Britain uh, Superior Court. And can you explain to us what happens at at the trial court before before you got involved? So before I was involved. Um, the the defense moved for summary judgment. Um, in other words, they moved to dismiss the case, um, basically on, on the you know saying saying there's no issue of fact here. She has no case, um, and their main contention was the landlord didn't know he had he had um, didn't know that the dog was vicious. Uh, he had submitted an affidavit saying I didn't know the dog was vicious. 
he had uh, appeared at a deposition and said, I didn't know the dog was vicious. Um, in response, uh, Isha Sen and, the, and the, uh, her attorney had submitted like an affidavit saying that, that uh, whenever someone approached the, the, the apartment building, the dog would bark and growl and, and act in a, in a vicious manner. And, um, you know, so, so the trial court, uh, with this evidence in front of, of um, in front of it, granted the motion for summary judgment, and and essentially, that's the end. That would have been the end of uh, Sen's case. And so, when the court grants summary judgment, an appeal was taken, and that's that's when you get involved. That's when you get brought on to the right. case. And what were and anytime you take an anytime you bring a case up on appeal, there have to be issues that are appealed. What were the issues specifically that were appealed in the Sen case? So we had two uh, two main uh, issues. Obviously the, the you know what we're appealing is the granting of the summary judgment. But the two issues that we had is we felt that the trial court necessarily had to make a credibility determination. Uh, between the story told by uh, the plaintiff and the story told by the landlord. Um, and at the summary judgment phase of, uh, of a proceeding, that's not permitted. Um, the, the, at the summary judgment, in, in this case, the defendant moves to summary judgment. So the trial court was obligated to take the facts as asserted by the plaintiff, by Ms. Sen, as true and determine whether if these facts are proven, there is a case. And our argument was that the trial court did not do that, that it, that it weighed the credibility of the, two, of the two things and made a determination uh, in favor of the defendant. Second, uh, the, one of the things that uh, Ms. Sen tried to, uh, tried to show was that the fact that the dog was a pit bull um, should have been a factor in, uh, in consideration of whether the, uh, the landlord had an obligation to uh, sort of make an investigation as to whether this particular dog was vicious. Um, and, you know, and, and so that was, th those were the two basic thrusts of, of our appeal. And so what can you, um, can you describe so you you what um you 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 write the in any sort of appellate process you file the brief you then bring it and you argue before before the appellate court can you talk to us a little bit about the argument that you had in this case what the concerns of the various appellate judges were and just shed some light on that process uh for, for us right so Initially, I, I can tell you that, you know, I can tell you my concerns upon uh, taking the case, you know, and, and looking at the record in the case. My concern was that the, the, in uh, her affidavit, um, she had stated several, uh, several things such as, in my opinion, it is my opinion that anyone who saw this dog would, you know, would, and I'm paraphrasing briefly, but anyone who saw this dog would recognize it as a vicious dog. Um, and what I was concerned about initially is, is those sort of introductory, in my opinion, uh, phrases. And I, what I, I, I thought that the law was pretty clear, but I, I felt that we had to make sure that the, the appellate court looked 
past that introductory phrase to the facts uh, the facts that underlie uh, her statement. So, so whenever, you know, whenever uh, the dog, dog behaved in a vicious manner, whenever anybody approached the building, you know, in terms of, of an affidavit, that's a, that's a, that's a factual statement as far as a witness witnessing something. In this case, Miss Sen witnessing people approaching the building in the way that the, the, uh, the dog reacted. It's not an opinion. Um, and so what we had to, um, what we had to be certain of is, is that the, you know, the appellate court would see that too. Um, so that was my initial concern. Um, in addition, you know, anytime you're, you're, uh, sort of arguing, um, Look, I like dogs, right? You know, I, I they're, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be the guy that's standing up there and saying, you know, every time you see this kind of a dog, it means that, uh, you know, the landlord has some kind of a duty, and I, I felt that we needed to be very clear that that was not our argument. Our argument was that um, consistent with Connecticut law, just like, um, you know. Uh, you know, certain, uh, the horses may have a, um, pose certain dangers, certain dogs pose certain dangers and a landlord, uh, you know, needs to check it out. And if, if they, they check it out and they find that the dog is, is licking the faces of everybody that comes by, that's terrific, but that there, there is sort of a heightened duty. So those were, um, but I didn't want to appear to be able to be up there saying, all dogs, um, all dogs are, um, you know, all dogs are necessarily uh, mean or, or uh, you know, create some kind of a hazard. Fortunately, and it was it was very early into the into the oral argument when uh, you know I realized the court completely that we had been clear and the court completely understood uh, our argument. That argument was uh, was a, a limited one, and not um, calling for sort of a sweeping. Uh, as the trial court had said, I'm, the trial court had said, "I'm not about to make, uh, you know, a, a sweeping uh, statement that that any time a landlord sees a pit bull, he's he's on notice." That was not our argument, and the appellate court recognized that that was not our argument. Uh, very early, very early, it was apparent. And um, so what, what, um, what issues um, did the court ultimately, uh, you know, decide and uh, in, in, in when um, they rendered uh, their decision in favor of Ms. Sun? Right. So the, so the majority decision is, uh, it goes along on the, on the, the sort of traditional summary judgment standard lines. It says, yes, the, the trial court necessarily had to make a credibility determination to grant summary judgment in this case. It's not allowed to do that. Uh, you, had, you have a statement from uh, the plaintiff saying, geez, whenever anybody approached this building, the dog acted in a vicious manner. Uh, you have a uh, landlord saying, I never saw the dog be vicious. 
that's for a fact finder to resolve. That's for the jury to resolve. You can't do that. You can't resolve that at summary judgment. Um, and that's, you know, that's how the, uh, that's how the appellate court, uh, the majority decision uh, decided it. Judge Prescott in a uh, concurrence did go into the argument uh, regarding the specific breed of the dog, the pit bull, which many courts um, have throughout the throughout the nation have recognized that in one way or other uh, or another may require a, a sort of heightened scrutiny uh, among among landlords. That uh, you know, and, and for instance, they are uh, the 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 plaintiff had actually introduced evidence that they're banned on uh, military bases. Um, the New York City Housing Authority uh, bans them. You know, and, and whether uh, I'm certain that there are people who are going to say that that's a you know that's unfair, but that is a, a recognition of um, the fact that that unfortunately these particular dogs tend to be used in dog fighting more more often than than other dogs. Dog fighting, understand understandably. Uh, sort of uh, alters the way a dog may react in, in future circumstances. And nobody's saying you can't have, you can you know, you can't, um, in Connecticut, nobody's saying you can't have a pit bull. They're saying that if somebody has a pit bull, it's a factor in determining whether, whether uh, in, in what you have to do to make sure that that, that particular dog is not vicious. So, um, you know, would uh, like a, the send case have any applicability to say folks who, you know, to, to possibly a car accident case where um, a defendant says, you know, look, I, I wasn't negligent. I was driving correct. I was driving properly and following the rules. And the plaintiff says, no, you weren't. Um, would, would, would the court engage in sort of a similar analysis if this wasn't a dog bite? Absolutely. It's it, the, the majority opinion um, is very, very um, applies in a lot of circumstances. It applies in any circumstance uh, where where summary judgment is granted, or well, even before it's granted, it, it, it trial courts should consider it. Wherever um, what you, what you have is somebody making an allegation, somebody on the other side saying, "No, that didn't happen." That you know the allegation that this happened. Somebody on the other side saying, no, it didn't happen. That's not an appropriate uh, uh, place. That's not appropriate for summary judgment at that time. It very specifically says that matters of credibility, where you're trying to determine, well, who's telling the truth here? If it comes down to who's telling the truth here, that's a matter for a fact finder, for a jury. Um, and it's not appropriate at, uh, for a court to make that determination at summary judgment. So it applies. It would apply in a in a car accident where that's that's the case. It would apply uh, in other premises liability cases. If if you know if uh, there's a big hole on a on a step on the property and the landlord says, "I never you know I never noticed the hole," but the landlord was you know, but I was there all the time. It would apply there. That's that's not an appropriate. Uh, um, means to determine uh, to, to decide a case on summary judgment that's for a jury to determine and I think that's that's a really that's a really important case because really in winning this case Matt you 
preserve the right to a jury, the constitutional right to a jury for a whole class of plaintiffs, um, that if, if the trial court's ruling had stood and other courts had followed it, would have deprived others in many, many contexts of the ability uh, to get to a jury simply by the defendant saying, well, I'm not responsible for this <laughs> in right. an affidavit, which is, it, it, which is awfully uh, convenient. So what, I, um, what I'd like, you know, so if, if, if there's a tenant out there who is bitten by um, a, a, a dog of another tenant um, after the Senn case, what rights do they have potentially against their landlord and what things should they uh, be, be looking at? Well, what they should be looking at is, and, and what, what they should be looking at is whether the landlord um, could re, you know, should have known that, that having, allowing that tenant to, to keep that particular, that dog on the premises posed a risk of what happened, which is, in this case, was a dog bite, which is, of course, allowing a tenant to, uh, to keep a dog does, you know, it's, it, uh, that's the natural risk of keeping a dog is that the dog bites somebody. Um, you know, and, and so what they can look at is, is ways in which the landlord should have known that this particular dog had, um, had vicious or, or, you know, had a vicious demeanor or was prone to bite somebody. Um, it doesn't mean that, you know, it doesn't mean that nobody can have dogs. But it does mean that if the if the landlord is on the property and the dog's barking and growling, um, he doesn't get to get out of it by saying, "I never noticed that." Uh, you know, and so th those are things. That what what a tenant would want to look at is how many times did that landlord come to this prop come to the property? Was the landlord there, you know, weekly or monthly? Um, was the uh, was there evidence, you know, when the, when the post, uh, when the, when the mail person brings the mail, does the dog bark and growl at the mail person? Um, and, and so by proxy would necessarily, you know, may, may growl at every, anyone who approaches the building. Um, you know, all of these things that would go to the question of whether the landlord either did know or should have known, um, that that the dog would be inclined to bite somebody if it got out and got onto the common area of a, of a property that is there for the common enjoyment of the tenants you know that that uh, and, and and that's the that's the i think the important thing is we talk about um you know that so often we talk about well i have a right to you know to have a dog or the you know landlord is inclined to let somebody have a dog and that's fine but other people have the right to use the premises, use the, the yard, the, you know, they have the right to park the car, they have the right to use their back steps to get up to their apartment. Um, you know, and if, if there's evidence that the, a particular dog or any particular pet on, uh, on a property is vicious or has, uh, has a potential of propensity to uh, engage in some kind of behavior that's, that's um, you know, violent, then yes, you know, those are the, those are, there are that, you know, that's why we have, uh, liability for those things. And, and, um, 
you know, so those are some of the things they should be looking for. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time this morning. Uh, I, I really appreciate it. And um, if folks want to find you, we'll post a, a link to your profile in the, uh, in the um, comment section uh, and they can reach out to you or any uh, lawyers who are listening to this. A lot of lawyers listen to our podcast and our, and our content. Uh, they can reach out to you as well if they're looking to handle um, or have questions about handling uh, dog bite cases in particular against against third parties. Uh, so Matt. Uh, the one, there's one last thing I, I would like to point out, Ryan, though, is that this particular decision is extremely well written. Um, and so I do think that for, for other attorneys out there, it has rather clear language uh, that is helpful. It's a, it's a very well written opinion. Uh, and so for, for that reason, if not, nothing else, uh, it's, it's quite useful. Great. And Matt, I will uh, put the site um, to the case in the comment section. So if anybody is uh, looking for the site to the case, um, you can you can check it out. And I think it it makes uh, I think it makes appellate judges uh, jobs very uh, a lot easier uh, when they have good attorneys who are handling the case. So thank you, Matt. Thank you, Ryan.